This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you, the Top 60 and 60 is back on The Zone Sports Network. Listen every day, 1.30, as Hanson Scotty announced another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as they count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon only here on the Zone Sports Network. We're going to talk to our friend uh, Scott Howard Cooper coming up here momentarily, so stay tuned for that. We'll get his thoughts, of course, on uh, what's going on in the NBA. But also, Gordon, he's got a new book out. Yes, he does. A book on Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, A Life is the title of the book. So uh, we'll talk to him about that. We've got a lot to get to. In fact, let's get out to uh, the man himself, out to the Smart Rain special guest line we go. It's no mystery. Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. Joining us now, the man himself, uh, Scott Howard Cooper, with us here on The Big Show. Scott, congratulations on the book. How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much. Well, let's let's in fact start out talking about the book. We can get to uh, some some other NBA kind of stuff. Get your final thoughts and that sort of thing. But uh, I guess start with uh, why did you decide to write this and what went into it. I know Steve has really an incredible story. Well, that's the main thing is that uh, I pitched it when I had my first phone conversation with the publishers. I said this is the story of a guy with a unique career but a fascinating life. I think that. When you look at everything that has happened to him off the court, not not just on the court, the things that people have known about, but off the court, it's incredible. Uh, somebody blew up a car, the family car, in his driveway. Uh, his dad interacted with Yasser Arafat and was an advisor to the White House. Uh, he's got a connection to uh, Kim Jong-un. Somebody recommended Steve Kirby, an emissary to North Korea. Uh, this goes on and on. That doesn't even get into what everybody knows about with Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich, Steph Curry, uh, Tim Duncan, on and on and on. Uh, it's such a layered life that I, I thought it would be a real interesting look. Scott, I received your book really looking forward to uh, to reading all of it. Uh, just a little detail. Did they ever find out who assassinated Steve's dad over in Beirut? No. They just know that it was uh, there were two people involved. Uh, one apparently was the shooter, and then uh, it was a busy day on campus, and the two were dressed just like a lot of other college students. For people who don't know, his dad was the president of American University in Beirut, and it was in the hallway just outside of his office that, uh, that he was assassinated, and they just kind of disappeared into the crowd on campus and then from there it was easy to get into the city and once they're in the city uh beirut in the in the 1980s you're not going to find anybody who didn't want to be found 
You know, Gordon uh, often is the one asking these types of, uh, of questions, Scott, is, uh, with his feature writing background. But, you know, that is, a, that is an incredibly, um, I mean, certainly tragic event, but, uh, but something that would have to change a person, right? I mean, how do you think, you know, his relationship and then the sudden, end, the sudden ending of that relationship with his dad shaped his career as not only a professional basketball player, but uh, an executive and a coach? Well, and as a person, yeah. most of all, I think it made him uh, much more appreciative of everything because uh, at the, up to that point, he really hadn't experienced loss. Uh, and, and to be honest, never has even to this day. Uh, it made him realize how precious life is. Uh, he forever regretted at a, at a family meeting at their home in Pacific Palisades, just outside of Los Angeles, when they sort of went around the room and, and both parents were there and all the kids and went around and said, you know, I'm thinking of taking this job. It's, it's a dangerous situation, but give me your feedback. And Steve did not speak up and has re- always regretted it. He just sort of wanted to support his dad but he genuinely was scared. And so I think it has taught him to uh, speak up when there's something on his mind and also to appreciate every day and to make the most of every day. And as corny as that sounds, that's something he had to live. Remember, he was just a, a college freshman living away from home for the first time in Tucson and, and hadn't made a lot of really strong connections, so was basically on his own there um, and sort of had to find his own way and in his entire life there's the the ongoing story arc of resiliency you see it in basketball and in his personal life and never has that been more obvious than in January of 1984 when he lost his father and had to keep pushing forward. I don't know if you got into it in the book, Scott, but I, I, I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I remember when this happened because of the profound nature of it in a negative way uh, when I saw uh, that certain fans, uh, college basketball fans, were chanting at Steve about his dad's death. I, I don't know if you got into that, but I remember it. I think you and I were probably in L.A. at that time. But I, I, that stands out to me, and I don't know whether he talked about that at all, but I thought that in that moment I thought, man, fans can just be out of their minds sometimes to bring that up in that setting of a basketball game. The lowest of the low, and yes, it, it is in there. Uh, I delve into it quite a bit because it was one of those horrific moments that you can't imagine anybody going through. It happened uh, at Arizona State, and of course, Arizona's rival so he was in Tempe at his senior season the last time he would go through town and it was about 12 or 15 it wasn't like it was the whole crowd but it was early enough before warm-ups had gotten very far along that he was able to really hear it and a lot of chants of PLO PLO uh, even though the PLO was not were not the people that that targeted his father um but, yeah, just an unbelievable moment when you think, how bad can you get? And Steve doesn't duck anything on this. He's on the court kind of going through warm-ups, and at a certain point he just drops the ball and sits down on the bench and breaks down in tears. It was He didn't try to hide how devastating it was that people would act like that. Hmm. 
Now, of course, uh, Scott and our friend Scott Howard Cooper on with us. The book is Steve Kerr, A Life, the uh, definitive life story of an improbable NBA legend. Um, a, a big time, probably the biggest moment in his career, of course, is hitting that three in the NBA Finals against the Utah Jazz. Is this a moment that kind of everything culminated in your book? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I wasn't sure about bringing that up. It's obviously <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, I realize who I'm, the market I'm talking to, and I don't know if people are like, well, that's interesting, or if it's more like, you know, can we just finally remove this dagger from my back? <laughs> but, yeah, that was the moment of his playing career uh, in a lot of different ways. It was obviously the biggest shot he would ever make, and it, it helped deliver the championship. But it also was that strange culmination that you mentioned. That was kind of a crazy intersection moment of his entire life because uh, he he had been interested in going to Gonzaga and got a recruiting trip there. He was very lightly recruited coming out of high school. Nobody knew this guy at all. Gonzaga invites him up and throws him in and says, you know, we're going to throw you into a pickup game and see what you got. And it's 1980, um, 1983, and, you know, who's the opposing point guard that goes against him in a pickup game at Gonzaga? You know, John Stockton takes him apart, obviously, and Stockton is on the court for the Jazz that night. Uh, There were a lot of times when Steve would sort of imagine himself to be other players. It was a bit of a confidence boost for him, and he would be able to say, whose game did I wish I had, whose game did I... uh, would I like to emulate? And he liked Jeff Hornacek. And Horny was on the court, of course, that night for the Jazz. And it's remarkable to have those. Uh, Judd Bushler was his teammate at Arizona, so that was a connection to his past. And then, of course, Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson are the, are there as sort of the indicators of how good, what kind of role Steve can have on a championship team. It was his whole career, his whole life in certain ways sort of come together. And then he hits that shot and forever believes that that sort of set up his future, that that got him into broadcasting and broadcasting is what got him into, into coaching and, and being a GM. I don't think that last part is correct. Uh, I think he would have gone on that route anyway, but I know that he has said many times he thinks that's the case. Scott, uh, what can you tell us about Steve that might surprise our listeners or or those who might want to read the book? Is there something about him that stands out as something you didn't expect? I mean, obviously, he's an intelligent guy. He seems to have a lot of integrity. Uh, he's uh, he, he knows the game of basketball like crazy. What about him is just kind of weird or different? Well, his entire path, I don't think there's one thing. But at the bottom line, none of this was supposed to happen all the way back to his parents were never supposed to meet his dad was supposed to be in a completely different part of the world and so it took that strange happening for his dad to end up being in the same place as his mom so his parents meet but they weren't supposed to meet he had no business going to the university of arizona any pac-10 school Uh, he's the first to know that he had no business playing in the nba for 15 years certainly he couldn't get on the court for the Orlando Magic. And then that offseason starts thinking, yeah, I can play with the Bulls. I can play with Michael Jordan and B.J. Armstrong and John Paxson. He, he had no business being with the Bulls, and he was never supposed to be the Warriors coach. 
he had accepted an offer from Phil Jackson to go coach the Knicks. And only after accepting that offer did he sort of turn his attention to the Warriors. So it's the whole set of circumstances. When we talk about his strange life and everything that's happened to him, you can go down point by point and show that none of this was ever supposed to happen. Scott, uh, while we have you, uh, get your thoughts on the NBA Finals. What do you think about the matchup? Any thoughts on Game 1? Just picking your brain. Well, I I feel bad for Milwaukee because when you're without not only your best player but maybe anyone's best player and then you get them back. And uh, if, you, if Giannis is not healthy, I don't see any way that uh, Milwaukee can win that series, and that's too bad because certainly you would like to see everybody at, at full strength. And even even uh, Giannis playing, if he's not at full strength, that's a big hindrance because it would have been a tough enough matchup anyway. So that's I think, is the big thing to watch is obviously what is his health going to be. Uh, it, it's interesting. There's a lot of rooting interest out there for Chris Paul because when we talk about uh, all the young guys that have made an impact in these playoffs. We talk about Adentacumbo, who's still a young guy, and, and Devin Booker, and we just saw Trey Young uh, with Atlanta, and there's been some other guys. But it's the old guy, <laughs> Chris Paul, what, 36, and uh, playing so well. And I think that because it had been such a long road for him, he's one of the most popular guys in the league. There certainly feels like, I don't know you guys what your read is, but it feels like there's a fair amount of rooting interest for Chris. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the story, uh, Jake keeps saying over and over again that that is the, uh, is the most interesting story. It's the biggest story uh, the around these finals. But what do you make of the fact that there are two new teams? And, you know, Phoenix kind of bubbled up pretty quickly here. Does that, I mean, does this series capture your interest, or because LeBron's not involved, uh, not so much? Well, it captures my interest. Uh, I'll be a little bit curious to see the ratings, because I don't know if it captures everybody's interest when, uh, when you talk about Milwaukee being a small market, especially if this turns into 2-0 or 3-0 pretty fast. The ratings could be could be really bad, but I'm, I'm definitely interested. I think, Gordon, you, you hit it on the head that Phoenix not only has uh, became a good team, but became a good team really fast. That this is a when if you would have asked somebody two or three years ago, so what do you think about the Suns in the finals in 2021? There would have been a fair amount of laughter, right? Um, but Monty Williams is a terrific coach, deserves a lot of credit. The acquisition of Chris Paul is obviously a big difference, along with Devin Booker uh, continuing to develop year after year into one of the the young stars as well. So I'm interested. Uh, I don't know, but I'm I'm a basketball fan. I'm an NBA fan. I, I don't know what the casual fan who might be watching if there's a LeBron, as you mentioned, or some of the other big names. I'll be curious to see what, what their interest level is. So, Scott, are you? our listeners probably know that you've been a long-time NBA writer and uh, I don't mean to call you old or anything but you you know you're you're experienced you're a veteran uh, are you are more books in the line for you, you gonna keep pumping them out here or what um, I'm open to it uh, I, I gotta say I really enjoyed this project uh, I had done a couple other books before but nothing nothing at this level one was a kid's book another one was sort of a coffee table book so I don't really count those but uh, I went into this not sure what to expect when you get into a, a, a full-size book for the first time. 
and I loved it. Uh, I think a lot of it was because of the subject. Uh, it's such an entertaining story that I, I, I like spending time with him for a year and a half. Not actually spending time, but just that he was in my head and, and kind of everywhere. Every time I turned around at home, there was some reminder. Um, so I hope that comes through in the pages. I hope that energy comes through and that, that people enjoy reading it as much as I enjoyed writing it. So if there is another opportunity, um, I would love that. I've got some one or two ideas in mind, and we're probably a week or two from beginning to explore those officially. Uh, William Morrow, the, the people who published this book, has got the the right of first refusal on my next project, and that window opens in a couple weeks. So uh, we'll see where it takes us. If something does happen, I'll be thrilled. Uh, if not, I'm excited about some other possibilities out there as well. Well, you've had a great writing career, and I'm glad you're writing books now. Looking forward to it and uh, encourage all our listeners to uh, pick up that book and to uh, give it a read. On on that note, Gordon, uh, Scott, what's the best way to get a, get a hold of it? I mean, is it the normal Amazon and those outlets, or what's the best way to go? Exactly. It's, it's Amazon. Uh, I know we're in a lot of the bookstores around the country. I don't know about every single market, so I can't speak to Salt Lake City in particular. But if you cannot find it in person, and uh, whether supporting one of your uh, independent bookstores or one of the major chains, certainly all the major sites uh, that normally carry books, I know, have this one as well. All right. The book is Steve Kerr, A Life, The Definitive Life Story of an Improbable NBA Legend. He is Scott Howard Cooper with us here on The Big Show. Scott, as always, thank you very much. My pleasure. Good to be with you. Thanks, Scott. Um I, I find that stuff, like you did, Gordon, I, I mentioned that I kind of asked a question that your brain usually, you know, wraps your... I, a fascinating story like Steve Kerr, getting into depth in that, I mean, it's, it, you talked about his, his family life, but also those the way it was it culminated with the shot against the Jazz because he had competed against John Stockton and Jeff Hornacek. I mean, it, this sounds like a really good book to me. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, sometimes sports books, if they just deal with the sport... Uh, they're they're not as interesting, but when there is the the hook of the sports, and then there's a terrific backstory too, like there is with Steve Kerr, then that's that's good stuff. I do think he lucked into that Warriors job a little bit. <laughs> Beneficiary <laughs> well, of timing I mean, there, yeah. And plus, you, you we remember and Scott mentioned this that. There was an offer on the table from the Knicks, yes. uh-huh. and the Warriors had to come in at the last minute and say, hey, you'd rather have this job. <laughs> and Steve Kerr was like, yes, I would rather I have I that would. job. Yeah, yeah I'm uh-huh. going to say no to you, Phil, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, go coach a team ready to win a title. Uh, great coaches benefit with great teams. That's just the way it is. It always has But been. think about that. If Golden State had been a week later, yeah, he would have been next up to be canned by the Knicks. <laughs> True. Oh, I he'd, was about, be, he'd be back uh, calling games, probably. And I was about to say, was that the job that Hornacek took? But it wasn't. They hired Derek Fisher, right? Did they? I yeah, that remember. was. I'm. I'm pretty sure that was Phil's first hire as coach. <laughs> and then after that was obviously going to be a disaster. I think that's when Jeff got it. See, this is a case where you know destiny cannot be controlled. It just happens. So. Why do you take good, that cliche so literally? I, I ask this I'm every fun time. Fun He's on fire. Get the fire extinguisher. <laughs> no, literally. He left it all out there on the floor. Goodness, get the man some clothes. 
<laughs> uh, but it does sound uh, like a really good book, so check it out. And the man of Rome. <laughs> get get the man a towel, please. He left it all out on the floor. All right, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now from Wasatch Medical Clinic, he's our good friend, Andrew Reinhardt. And maybe, hey, maybe you've uh, uh, not been uh, real happy with your performance uh, well, I, I'm going for a, a segue here, Andrew, and I'm failing. Uh, maybe you've been failing a little bit when and where it matters most. There you go. How about that one? <laughs> That's right. There are a lot of guys that are falling a little short of the bedroom, struggling with a little EDD. We uh, have treated men, even this week, in their 20s and in their 90s, and everything in between. Uh, what guy doesn't want more blood flow? Everybody could benefit from that. Um, and guys are so sick of the pill. Our acoustic wave therapy, the only one backed by Cambridge and 40 others, it's been called the new standard of care for erectile dysfunction. It repairs your blood vessels and improves blood flow. And the science is significant, but the emotional impacts of getting rid of the ED are what I really love to hear about. Men feel better about themselves. Their spouses and significant others feel better. The relationship improves. The intimacy, there is a huge ripple effect on life when it comes to ED. And uh, it's really satisfying to see guys get off the pill and get that back to normal. I was going to ask you who would be a good candidate. It sounds like a wide range of guys. Yeah, it is. And uh, we've treated, of course, both severe and mild. But the best candidate is probably somebody that's not at zero. If you've got some function left, but you are frustrated, we can likely get you back. The Cambridge study intentionally tested this on men that were no longer even responding to pills. So I kind of assume maybe older gentlemen, maybe a lot of health conditions, and it had a very high success rate. So if you're not in that category, you've got a great chance of getting the normal levels of intimacy back. 801-901-8000. That is the number to call. 801-901-8000. Get in there, see the doc for free, and find out this is a good fit, right? That's right. Leave your wallet at home. Call us today. You'll qualify for the assessment and exam free. This is with our MD, by the way. Uh, the blood flow ultrasound will be free. You'll get the very popular gift. Produces immediate results in the bedroom. And if you're feeling a little lethargic, the blood work and testosterone is now included for uh, new patients. Really cool. A ton of value. Uh, give us a call. It's all no charge. Man, take advantage. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. It's our friend Andrew from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Big thanks to Scott Howard Cooper for jumping on. Well, more next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. is the big show with jake scott and gordon monson presented by big o tires with the lowest price on every tire every day with no credit needed financing options available big o tires the team you trust it's big show gordon monson jake scott 97.5 the zone welcome on back gordon you want to talk a little college football for a minute sure uh, listening to DJ and PK, they talked about something similar today. Kind of, uh, kind of piqued my interest. And then Austin and I were chatting about some college football plans on the show, which we're very excited about. Yeah. And 
uh, some stuff coming up that we can announce soon, which is uh, going to be really cool um, for the college football season. But well, can we do some way too early expectations? Okay. And, and uh, we can make the mutual agreement. I won't hold you to these. It is July after <laughs> all, and information can change when camp comes. Can and we goes. change our minds? We, yeah, you can be a casual fan. Yeah, <laughs> a cash. You can be a cash. Um, well, there's just a lot to. I mean, he's going to punch me right now. Uh, he's, he's getting grumpy. He's going to Chris Paul me. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm but not. there are a lot of factors that we can all acknowledge that will go into whether a team's going to be good or not that we simply don't know sitting here in the middle of July. So yeah. with that in mind. Can we, <laughs> so we've covered our bases. <laughs> we do some way too early predictions because, Austin, let's, let's start with BYU a little bit. Does it concern you at all for BYU not only going into the season with obviously a, a much more difficult schedule? Yes. But the turnover, the, the amount of players that they lost from ra- last year's roster. Excuse, let, me put, let me put it this way. I remember um, when the 04 Utes, the very next year, the Mountain West Conference media poll came out, and the 05 Utes were picked to win the league. And it was like, really? Because the whole team's playing in the NFL. So, <laughs> why? you know, I, I was always skeptical of that. Like, why would you predict Utah to win the league? And, of course, they didn't. But the league at that time was was really good. With TCU was a really good team at the time, right? And BYU was a really good team. That was, well, we were to find out they were better than they were certainly in 04, right? And uh, yet Utah gets picked because often we just think about last year's team mm-hmm. and we ignore the fact that they turn over, you know, different teams, different years, turn over a lot of really good players. BYU this year, they're turning over a lot of good players who, in fact, are, are going on to play at the next level. So what's fair to expect out of BYU this upcoming year? Fair is such an interesting It word. is. Very subjective. Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, I think BYU has more talent in its program than we probably thought it did. You know? Still. I, I, obviously, when you lose the number two pick in the, in the NFL draft, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's going to be something to overcome. But I keep hearing all the bragging out of Provo that they've got three great quarterbacks down there. Yeah, but see, the, the comparison to the 04 Utes is a thing again because they had the number one pick in the draft, and they did have a really good quarterback coming in and still didn't win the league that next year. Yeah. Now, Brian Johnson was really inexperienced and would turn out to be entirely different than he was his sophomore year. Remember, he was just lightning in a bottle, and he turned the ball over a lot, but he was just putting up an incredible amount of yards, and he was almost like – the opposite player when he left Utah, the, just a it's model true. of efficiency and, and uh-huh. accuracy and those sorts of things. But, yeah. you know, he was a pretty good quarterback as a sophomore nonetheless. So, I mean, it's a little similar in that fashion too, right? Yeah, uh, although the, the quarterbacks BYU has, uh, they have some experience. They've played. Uh, I know Brian Johnson played a little bit as a freshman. He was different, like a 17-year-old freshman or whatever he was. But He's, Baylor Romney's beat... Boise State. Yeah. And yeah. we've seen Jaron Hall do that's, some nice things, too. Played. Yeah. So uh, I, I I think, well, uh, A-Rod tells us that those guys are really good. So we'll see if they if they are. You look at BYU's running back situation. They've got some really nice pieces there. Um, offensive line, well, they got to replace – a guy who, what did he go in the fifth round? Was it the fourth or fifth round? Or was it third? I want to say fourth, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, but fine player. One of the best tackles in the, in the country. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, they've got some replacement there, but they've got they've got some guys there. So we'll see how it how it goes in that regard. Uh, on the defensive side, the story is that they have third round, third yeah, round for Brady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story is that they've got real good athletes at the cornerback position on the defensive side. I don't know how the the defensive line is going to go. Linebackers, there's a couple of vets in that group. So. But the story's always rosy this time of year. That's yeah. why. That's why I threw out the word fair. Yeah, because and that's the plus. Plus the schedule. I mean, look, there's no way you can examine last year's team without without making concession to the schedule, uh, and that was a really talented team, uh, and uh, obviously uh, had some guys. But uh, this year, you look at BYU's schedule, and that is a P5 schedule. No one can complain about the level of competition this coming year. So that's one of the things that makes it so fascinating is that the measure is considerably more difficult. Yeah, but you mentioned the rosy story. Isn't that the great uh, downside? I always think that when when coaches of, and I'm not calling BYU a bad team, I'm more thinking Pac-12 Media Day when you interview a coach that's going to win about one game a year and yet they're coming (laughs) in going, oh, everything's just great and it's amazing. You know, if the, the rosy story... All of a sudden, you're thinking, "Wow, maybe this Cougar team could win nine, ten games." And then it sets it up when they go six and six. Everybody's in Bumtown, but yet that that was probably inevitable. Isn't you know? the coach supposed to do the opposite and play it down so that whatever good things, better to be better to be surprised than disappointed. Except for playing it down doesn't generate any excitement. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Man, we're gonna suck this year. Doesn't get many uh, doesn't get many butts in the stand. So, so I understand so Jake, Jake why they saying do it. all the coaches at Pac-12 Media Day. Hi, coach. How are you? Hey, stop it. Life sucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, if they were being honest, <laughs> some of them, yeah. Uh, I if you have a really good team, I would play it down more than play it up. If I had a bad team, I might play it up. But see, then you're setting the bar higher than you could ever achieve. That's the hard part with a bad team. Yeah, but yeah, but what difference does it make at that point? Because you know you're going to suck. Well, I know, but but you get a little more patience out of everybody if they don't expect you to win ten games and then you win six. Well, we're going to build. We're going to build to a. But that bugs a fans too. Yeah. End. So so maybe this is an impossible situation for coaches. But what is realistic? So here's BYU's schedule. All right, I'll just all run right. through it quick. Arizona. Uh, down there in Vegas, Utah at home, Arizona State at home, South Florida at home, Utah State and Logan, Boise State at home, at Baylor, at Washington State, Virginia at home, Idaho State at home, at Georgia Southern, at USC. Yeah. Above high, above 500 certainly seems fair to me. I would agree with that. But I wouldn't but expect— to do that, even to do that, Jake, they're going to have to be quite good. But is that a fair standard? I mean, we could yeah. expect them to be quite good, yeah. right? But I don't. I, I'm not going sit, to sit here today, in the middle of July, and say I think that's a nine-win schedule for BYU. I think it could be seven or eight if the Cougars are. Well, are, seven's only one game above 500, so I think yeah, we're but, about in the same neighborhood <laughs> yeah, here. Exactly. Is there, there's a big difference from seven to nine, isn't there? There, there <laughs> is. Well, I mean, isn't that the beauty of college football? And how you always tease me about, oh, you say the regular season matters in college football. It does, because there is a huge difference between seven and nine wins. I I think that uh, it's it's kind of unfair, really, to hold last year's team accountable to what this year's team does. Oh, agree against with that. that schedule. Yeah. Oh, uh, is, you think people will do that? People always do that. 
Well, they'll downgrade last year's team if this year's yes. team doesn't live up to expectations. Yes, they will. You think? Yep. Well, that's entirely. I'm not un- talking about BYU fans. I'm talking about everybody else. Well, that's entirely unfair if that's the case. We're not going to do that on this show. I, I, any team that is uh, an independent, other than maybe Notre Dame, and or is a Group of Five team. Always, it, it, it's kind of unfair because they're never playing for just the season they're playing in. They're playing for the reputation of the entire football program every year. Not fair, but it's kind of the way it is. Disagree? Mm, kind of. Do you think the sorry to go keep going back to this well? Do you think the 04 Utah team was diminished because the 05 team was what was the record that year? 500 game above? Is that the year they lost to Vegas? I think that was the year after. Well, that was the year they lost to North Carolina in heartbreaking fashion. And then um, uh, remember uh, uh, Brian Johnson got hurt against New Mexico. In the game they lost against the Lobos, which I know you remember extraordinarily well because you, you were a one-man parade down 4 South after the game. <laughs> Kidding, of course. Uh, and then what, uh, beat BYU with Brett Ratliff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, was so that did, that year? I guess it was. Yeah, so it? did that team, which obviously was not perfect, did that team diminish what 4 did? Uh, not, not so much because... Utah came back a couple of years later and was undefeated again. So I think oh. that, that helped uh, sort of... Well, four years later. A retaining wall was built. Uh, but, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that all these... BYU's team this year will be playing for last year's team. That's not fair at all. If BYU goes under... Is 500 or less this year, people are going to say, see, if they played that last year, they would have been 500. Who are the people we're talking about here? Everybody. Who's everybody? Observers of college football. Well, I mean, I don't care what some idiot on his couch in Des Moines thinks. I mean, what? who's <laughs> every, the casual who, fit? The cash. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, we've got a market update next, and let's do the same exercise for Utah real quick. What do you All say? Right. All right. We'll get into that. Coming up next, it's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Oh, hey guys, Jake here for my friends at Peach Window and Door. They've been Utah's premier window and door retailer, combining beauty and technology on windows and doors since 1993. Cindy and her group are absolutely incredible. And listen, I've been through similar processes when it comes to contractors and subcontractors and trying to get something done around the house, big projects, and it is always a pain in the butt. Peach, they're changing things. They've been doing it, as I mentioned, since 1993. Listen, customer service is their thing. Not only are they the best in the world of custom windows and doors, but listen, if you do business with Peach, 
they're going to make sure you're treated right. That means you call, you are going to talk to a human being. They don't believe in high-pressure sales. They want to make sure you get what you want. No subcontractors, no ghosting. They'll take care of your window and door needs. Their crews install them, and they back them up with guarantees designed to bring peace of mind to satisfied customers. You've got to find out for yourself. They have free in-home estimates. They also have 0% financing available, so there's a few ways to get the ball rolling. You can go to peachbuildingproducts.com. They've got over 255-star reviews on Google. That's peachbuildingproducts.com. Check out their beautiful showroom, 2940 South, 300 West, right here in Salt Lake. Or you can call them, 801-556-1255. That's 801-556-1255, Peach Window and Door. This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire every day. With no credit needed, financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Big Show, time for a market update. Brought to you by our friends at TryDayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Find out for yourself at TryDayTrading.com. Gordon, how did the markets do today? Uh, it was, I'll tell you in just a second. Sorry, I forgot. For the record, I did include it in my tease. I know you did. At the end of the last segment, but that's um, okay. We can forgive you. It's been one of those days, Jake. I hear It really you. has. That's all good, buddy. All right. It, today's market was, how shall I say it? Rosy? Oh, that's good news. Sweet? Uh... Sacrity? Actually, that has sort of a negative connotation, doesn't it? Sacrity? Are you are you talking about uh, that uh, fake sugar stuff that they put in soda? <laughs> no, the philosopher. <laughs> Sacrity. Tell Jake what the philosopher said, Austin. Uh, if you have the goods, go ahead and show the goods. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to tell you about the goods right now. The Dow, Jake, was up 104 points. Shaka-laka. He's on fire! The Nasdaq was up just a smidge, one and a half points. Double stamped at Noah Racy. The S&P, Jakester, was up 14, just almost 15 points. The Free Amigos! <laughs> Hilarious. That movie, I mean, what do you think about some of that? Does that movie hold up? I haven't seen it in a long time. Oh, totally holds Does up. It? 100% holds oh, up, that's yeah. That's good. I find Martin Short funny. He's one of the more brilliant uh, entertainers of history. We really? All, you think that good? Uh-huh. Top 10. We all fired up. He was... <laughs> gorillas? You shot the invisible swordsman! <laughs> he didn't tell me there were gorillas. That's a different movie. Yeah, I know. Still Martin Short. That is still Martin Short. True. All right. We did uh, realistic expectations for BYU in the last segment. Should we do Utah real quick? Yeah. Let me rattle off the schedule here, and then uh, we can dig in. Mm -hmm. Weber State at home at BYU, at San Diego State, home against Washington State, at USC, although there's a bye week in the middle. Arizona State at home, at at Oregon State, UCLA at home, at Stanford, at Arizona, Oregon at home, Colorado at home. So their toughest games... Other than SC, their toughest games are at home. Fair? Uh, where do they have ASU? Yes, ASU is at home. At, at USC, as you mentioned, that's a tough one. Um, I don't know what kind of Stanford team we're 
going to get. Because yeah, they, they have to go to the farm, so they have to play at Stanford. But that's not much of a home field advantage. Anyway. Most of the prognosticating I've seen for the Utes has been optimistic, I think. So what about in your mind? Are you, are you thinking like nine wins is, uh, is in the cards? Uh, well, that I don't know about nine. Uh, what's the over-under on them? I think it's eight and a half. So that's a, that's a pretty good number to pick. Uh, it could go that way. Charlie Brewer, how good is he going to be? Well, yeah, if he's like, what's his Bentley, it's not going to go well. Kyle uh, Whittingham is uh, excited about his offensive line and uh, the defense, <laughs> as you've pointed out, they've got, what, the best, one of the best linebackers in the country? Yeah, defense can be pretty stacked. How do they, you know, uh, recreate a dynamic run game after, and I hate that we talk about this so much because it's yes. so hard, but uh-huh. after, you know, uh, the change there. How are they going to replace that kind of production? Because that was a lot of production. A lot of production. Yeah. And and is the are they going to get much out of the quarterback play? And I, you know what? I'm I don't even think they need dynamic quarterback play. I really don't. I know all you fans want them to throw it around the yard. And I just don't think that's Utah football. But I they see. Need... You and I disagree on that. I think in order for the Utes to get to a place that they want to be, they have to be able to throw the ball efficiently. I'm not saying go out there and do the the crazy stuff, but you've got to be able to, uh, you've got to be able to move the ball through the air in the modern game, at the high, at, at at college football's highest levels. And uh, I wrote a column about that a while ago, and I'm I'm uh, taking that from uh, Mr. Saban, who uh, who expressed those thoughts, and I think he's right because Alabama was all about defense for a bunch of years, and then he said we got to a point where we couldn't do that anymore. We understood that uh, with the way the rules are and the way the game is played now, you've got to be able to move the ball through the air. And so he took that to heart, and that's what the Crimson Tide have employed. Now, obviously, they, they get their pick of five- and four-star athletes, uh, although the Utes are no slouches, man. I, mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, they, they have gotten some terrific athletes in recent years, and I think they're fully capable of doing it. You bring into question always the receivers, and that that is a good point. But it seems as though, and if you uh, could recruit baller running backs, why would you go away from that? I mean, I I remember that column, Gordon, and it's thought provoking as always. It just didn't really come along with your premise on that particular one, which is fine. But because you think USC should be running the football, how has it gone for the Trojans since they put in the air raid? If they had the right coach there, Jake. The coach put in the air raid. I know, but if they had the right coach with the air raid, it would be. It doesn't have to be the air raid. How's it, it going? It doesn't have to be that way. They've gone I'm away just, from running the ball. I'm How's t- it gone? I'm telling you, you should you should be able to pass the ball half the time. Mediocre at best is the answer <laughs> to the question I repeatedly asked you right there. <laughs> Why would you go away from the run game when you're USC? Because, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you go away from the run game if you're USC Utah? Because USC is the USC of John Robinson's day or John McKay's day. Yeah, they're not good anymore. <laughs> yeah, they used to be good. Yeah, because they used to get all the best athletes. You don't think that is the case anymore? They get a lot of good athletes, but not everybody has good athletes. Nobody does days. less than more, less with more than your current USC program. Well, that's probably true. Because I'll they don't have that. a system they, yeah, that fits their, their athletes. Sy- their system isn't the reason. Look at the it wide is. receivers who have come through that program. Yeah, and yeah, they're all playing in the NFL. And what have they done with them? Well, you want them to block? 
No, I want. That's what you're suggesting. I, I expect USC student to win. Student body right, student body left. That's yeah. not what SC should do. They were doing that and still putting receivers into the league back when they were actually winning football games. Jake, that's like saying, uh, well, the patient had a toe infection and he died, and he died from the toe infection. Well, no, he might have had five other conditions. No, it's the person you're talking. It's the person that intentionally gives themselves a toe infection just cause. <laughs> hey, I know I'm walking around fine and and I'm being uberly successful, but you know what? I'm going to purposely infect this toe no, just to see how SC it goes. He tried to do that going back in the '80s, and it, it started to dry up on him. Do what? Run the ball all the time. Yeah, because Reggie Bush and Lendell White were terrible. Man, they should have thrown the ball more. You're 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 you're, you're doing your cherry picking. That's what I'm you're cherry, you're cherry picking. Stop it. <laughs> but you need to be able to throw the football, and I'm not talking about once in a blue moon, or a red moon, or whatever. The youth should recruit another baller running back and give them the ball <laughs> as much as humanly no, possible. No, they should get a really good quarterback, which a lot of people think Charlie Brewer will be able to fill that role. And, uh, and and move the ball through the air and keep defenses off balance. Because that's worked so well for him throughout you, time. That you get, well, you kind of have the right athletes. We, even when they had a great quarterback in Alex Smith, they were still a run team. Uh, true. That, that might be true. Well, Alex had a good share of running himself. Correct. How about the year that the U.S. were undefeated in 08? What, they threw, they, they threw the, the ball that year. No, they didn't. Brian yeah. Johnson couldn't throw the ball further than 10 yards downfield. Yes, it's true. Did you and watch the Sugar Bowl? Yeah, and he didn't throw the ball more than 10 yards downfield. And, by the way, they it had It doesn't a, matter. That's, he was West Coast offense, baby. And Darrell Mack and Matt Osiata were awesome. <laughs> they and were, they gave the ball to they, them they all were, the time. Brian, Brian Johnson did throw the ball that year. Kind of. Okay, so when Utah went up against Alabama that year, it's because they were running the ball down their throat. It was because they they were they mixing it up. Year. They were mixing it up, Jake, and that's how they beat Alabama. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'll I'll bet you he threw. I can't even remember, but it seemed like the ball was in the air more than a few times. One game, and again, he didn't really throw the ball downfield at all that year. He, the ball was in the air. Uh, Brian Johnson had 2,900 yards that year. Look up that game. Do you have that game? Not in front of me at the moment. All right, let's get out of the zone, fun. Maybe we'll try and track that down. Sorry, Gordon, you can Google it. sound like there, an old you know. fighting married couple, guys. Uh, we kind of do today, don't we? He uh, will welcome him to the zone phone, our friend from Wasatch Medical Clinic. He is Andrew Reinhardt. And maybe there's some conflict in, uh, conflict in your relationship out there because of uh, things going on in the boudoir. That's why Andrew is here. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Hello. Hello. Hey, Andrew hey, that's right, guys. Will you answer a question? What's a boudoir? Yeah. What, what is a – Jake uses that all the time. What's the boudoir? That's is that the bedroom, Jake? I think so. That's that's how I envision it. I don't is know that, if it's French, French or what. It sounds French, <laughs> but well. that's it, it going well in the bedroom. Uh, well, yeah, it, it's true. When you get ED, it, it can cause some conflict. In fact, they say uh, that anxiety and stress is higher in couples where their ED is present. So this this is all making sense. But a lot of guys are struggling, and Wasatch Medical 
has helped so many overcome the erectile dysfunction, uh, get off of the pill, and it does have a huge ripple effect. That's what I'm hearing more and more now is, uh, you know, my job is going better. My happiness is up. I'm less stressed. I'm less agitated. I'm getting along better with my spouse. So many things are, are a ripple effect as a result of fixing this ED. We love treating the root cause of the problem. There's no side effects, and it's backed by 40 clinical studies. You mentioned side effects. Guys out there are putting up a lot uh, from the other treatments. They are. Headaches, blurred vision. The pill doesn't work all that well in the first place for a lot of guys. And it's a Band-Aid. You're going to be taking it for a while, if not forever. Uh, And you probably have to take more and more of it. We've treated a lot of guys. I have never heard of a side effect. I've never read about one. It's totally non-invasive and comfortable. You can do a treatment in 10 minutes. And the Cambridge study says all you need is a few treatments over two to three weeks, and that is it. You'd be done. 801-901-8000 is the number to call. 801-901-8000. Get right in and see the doc uh, for free and a lot of stuff, right? A long list of free today. Call us now. The assessment and exam with our medical doctor, free. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound at no charge. I say leave your wallet at home. You don't have to pay anything. Uh, We'll give you the little gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom also. And if you're feeling a little lethargic or lacking ambition in the bedroom, uh, blood work and free testosterone to new patients. That's really cool. Give us a call now. It's all totally free. Awesome. 801-901-8000. That's the number. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. All right. We'll have what's going on coming up next. David Lockett, 5, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.